Man. Did you just wake up from that um, last match? Yeah. Match? I think it sent me into a week-long hibernation. I, t- I can totally relate. Or a th- three-day-long hibernation, at least. Yeah. About like a week. I think after that first half, uh, it was pretty clear this was not going to be one of those uh, eventful matches. I just Yeah, and pretty clear it's not going to be like one of those weeks, I guess. Um, Oprah Winfrey is apparently running for president. You hear about that? Yeah, that's going to be awesome. I think that uh, she'll make a great running mate with uh, Donald Trump. I think that's exactly what this country needs, is another celebrity president. Right. They'll be number three, because Reagan Reagan did a great job. Yeah, I mean, I guess. All right, so... We can't get political on this podcast. Yeah, I don't want to get political. No. So, um, I guess we'll just dive right into it. Uh, Chelsea zero, Norwich zero. A very, very very emphasis on very boring match to say the least yeah i mean if you look at look at the match on paper like obviously it looks boring and you know when you see that norwich they had zero they had zero shots on target or did they have any shots in general that i think they had yeah, nine shots yeah, but zero, zero on, on target. target you think that wow i mean we locked them down but in reality our, our defense didn't really look that good zach what do you think no, uh, so I, I mean, I guess I'll start with the starting lineup and then we'll dive into the defense. So oh. we had Caballero and goal, um, obviously part of the defense. Rudiger, Cahill, and Luis. Uh, David Luis yeah. fin- finally coming back from that knee injury. And I, th- I thought he was, I thought he would be loaned out, honestly, like this, this ch- David Luis because of just the way that he's been treated. But I mean, I guess he, Antonio Conte made it clear that he was going to come back, but I thought he was just. He was just playing playing nice, but I mean, it was nice to have him back, though. It's clear that the succession plan is already kind of in place with Christensen. Um, but I didn't even get to finish my starting lineup. If you <laughs> interrupted me. I lost my train of thought. Anyways, yeah. Caballero, Rudiger, Cahill, uh, David Luiz in the middle of a back three. Um, Bakayoko and Drinkwater starting next to each other for the first time. Uh, Kennedy on the left, Zapacosa on the right. Than a front three of Willie and Pedro and Michi. So, so um, it was clear uh, that Conte thought that there's no Chinese fans watching this match, right? Yeah, uh, I bet you zero Chinese fans watch this game. Um, one because it was boring, and two because uh, Kennedy. <laughs> yeah, because of China's <laughs> biggest fan, um, Kennedy was was in this match. Um, didn't nobody in this lineup really did themselves justice besides, I mean, maybe if you look at William, yeah, William, I was going to um, say, I thought his performance was solid. I mean, a man of the match in one of the worst matches I've watched is not nothing to be you know proud of, but still he, he didn't play as, as poorly as everyone else did. I don't think Caballero was very good, uh, standing in the goal and, you know, <laughs> observing the game from, you know, this 18 yard box. Yeah. I mean, I would have clipped, a, I would have kept a clean sheet if I wasn't there too. Like that would have been fantastic. Yeah. Um, but let's, I do want to discuss this defense because it is, it is a little bit concerning. So, I mean, the first thing I noticed, um, was David Louise does not have his head on straight mm-hmm. still. And I thought, you know, maybe this long layoff would give him a chance to watch some film, um, go over the more tactical side of the game, especially in training and whatnot. Um, but he was constantly caught out of position, um, Safe to say, I mean, he was just rusty. He just looked really rusty. I mean, besides a couple of nice through balls, um, he didn't really have much to offer us defensively. He was caught out of position. He, he got dragged out a little bit too high up the pitch, and that left us exposed, um, especially with the threat that they had with Josh Murphy. Yeah, he looked really good, Josh Murphy. I mean, he had a couple of chances that he could have finished, 
Um, I mean, just the runs were really were there, but the uh, finishing, I mean, he kind of looked like Alvaro Morata out there. Ooh, yeah. But uh, still, I mean, he, he he made Rudiger look like a fool, like on a lot of times. Um, I think I think this was his worst performance. Um, Rudiger's worst performance in a Chelsea shirt. This other one, obviously, against uh in the Champions League against his own team, um, against Roma. Um, I mean. Does this does this kind of performance concern you, especially against a, a you know lower tier squad like Norwich, or is this or we're just gonna have to live with matches like this every once in a while? Usually, um, having a pacey winger playing as an auxiliary striker um, matched up against a center back. I mean, you usually take the striker over the center back any day of the week, especially if he has pace. Uh-huh. But we purchased Rudiger as primarily a ball playing center half that could play on in any of the positions in the back three but um we also purchased him because we need a little bit more speed in our back line uh, obviously last year dave was really our own our only pacey uh center half um but now we added rudiger and, and for matches like this we expect him to contain a young inexperienced winger like josh murphy but i mean i mean let's Let's just give credit where credit's due. The kid played his ass off. Mm-hmm. Um, he looked really solid, really confident, and that and that happens. I mean, this is—I know it's a cliche saying, but the magic of the FA Cup. I mean, this is what happens in these tournaments. Is you know, lower league teams play the more you know elite um, celebrity status teams such as Chelsea, and they have a chance to roll them over, and uh, and they do their best to do that. And I think Norwich did, and. They did create decent chances. I think the zero shots on targets being a little bit too harsh on them. Um, Josh Murphy got through, you know, on a on a couple of occasions and, and should have put it on frame at least. Um, but we were fortunate enough for him to miss. But yeah, I mean, Rudiger struggled, and this is something to look forward to. You know, Antonio Conte needs to figure out a way to uh, remedy the situation because you know El Shirawi kind of ran him ragged um, when we played Roma, and in a very similar fashion. Again, mm-hmm. a young pacey winger um with a little bit of flair about him and you know um a little bit of gusto so we have to make the necessary adjustments and 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 you know the blame isn't only on rudiger you got to look at david louise as well you're the center you're the middle of that back three you got to be able to cover for whatever teammates are on you know your right and left side and in that case it was rudiger on his right whenever he's getting beat david louise should be able to see that and and you know, position himself accordingly. Yeah, so but he was, he many times he was caught out of position and not, um, I mean, he just didn't really look in sync. And I don't know, you know, you said probably with that time off, he should have been watching film and getting prepared, but I'm thinking maybe all that time off just got him rusty and like not in the zone to, you know, play at a high level, which he, you know, has been shown to do in the past, but just not, not this past weekend. I think this is a more important question to ask. And I don't want to sound like typical British media, but, I mean, do you think I, it's it's clearly obvious that Andreas Christensen's the you know the future and the present for our squad? So, is David Luiz's head still completely with Chelsea? I mean, I know he's going to be Chelsea through and through with everything he's won, you know, the Champions League, Premier League titles. Mm-hmm. Um, but is it time for him to look for a move? I mean, you look at our loanees, and, and, and we got we got Kurt Zuma on loan, mm-hmm. who's more than capable of coming back into the squad and fulfilling, you know, at least like a a, a, a David Luiz type role, kind of like what he's playing now, where he comes in on occasion and does a job for us. 
Do you think David Luiz is going to be on the move eventually? Yeah, I mean, I I I thought he would be gone this year. Honestly, um, I thought that we would, we would be moving him this winter break, uh, this winter transfer window. Um, and I thought, you know, maybe when I saw that David Luiz was playing, um, I thought maybe this was like a kind of to show an audition. Yeah, an audition for the rest of you know the world who would want a center back. Obviously, this was probably you know the worst ways for him to audition did not look good but um you know I, I i can't tell what's going on in antonio conte's head sometimes um well it's not even up to him and that's that's the frustrating thing is i mean we all knew from day one that david Luiz really wasn't an antonio conte player per se like when we purchased him it it did not scream antonio conte's you know plan a or plan b no yeah because he's 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 a defender but he's not like a defensive minded defender really you know he likes to push up a lot he likes to pass the ball and you know it's 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 tough to have a player like him um when you're playing three back um you need three really disciplined players right to play and, in that, and that you know it's, it's it's tough i mean he, he has he has shown at times that he can fit in this role and he we you know and Conte conte even tried him a couple times like pushing him up a little bit to that midfield spot um, but you know, you're, you're absolutely right. He, he doesn't have that like Conte like stamp to his name. I don't think the way he plays, um, just, I mean, still a quality player and throughout his career, maybe, you know, obviously now is not his prime, but, uh, you know, it, it's, it, he might not fit necessarily in what we're trying to do. I mean, I want to move on to another player. That's not an Antonio Conte type player, your buddy, your best friend in the whole wide world. Michi Bacuai. So, um, really quick because we are kind of taking a little long for this segment. But I mean, let's just go through his performance overall. He had two total shots, four dribbles completed, and uh, connected twenty nine passes, which is only sixty six percent. Um, that's basically all the stats that stood out for this game. And 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 trust me, I fished for I fished for them, but. Was this just a poor performance, or was it a lack of service? Because it it they Pedro and William didn't seem to have their heads in the game up until the second half. Yeah, I mean, we've come to realize that you know Mishi Bachuai is not going to create the goals. He's a poacher. You know, people have to create goals for him, or he has to score off a rebound or something like that. Um, he's he's not he's not a playmaker. Obviously, I mean his hold up game his hold up game is really bad. Um, you said it, 29 passes, only 66% uh, success rate. Um, you know, just giving the ball up that many times is not not a recipe for success. Um, you know, if, yeah, I mean, if, if, if uh, Pedro and William are not going to be playing to their, you know, to, to the type of level that they should the whole game, then it's going to affect Mishi because he has to feed off the way they play. Um, but I think that... Um, it's very possible that Mishi can improve on his play if uh if he's possibly loaned out. And I think that, you know, we've we've talked about this for a while. Um, the team that has shown interest in him, um, it's Sevilla. And Sevilla has been talking about, you know, trying to get him on a loan. Um, what do you think about that? I I think it's a good move for him. Um it's definitely not the ideal move. Um a lot of people would expect Michi to go back to France where, you know, we initially purchased him mm-hmm. um, just to kind of go back to a league he's familiar with, get a little bit, bit of momentum going, get a groove on, and then, you know, uh, see where his England career goes from there. But this Sevilla move is very interesting for me. Um, he'd be playing in a league that'll help expand his skill set in terms of, 
you know, playing on a side that is very similar to Chelsea, that's very, very organized defensively, um, but also dominates the midfield, um, especially in La Liga, which is more of a possession-based league. Um, I feel like if he goes there and scores 10 or 15 goals, um, it'll be enough for him to get his confidence back. And then, you know, the club could kind of review his successes. And, you know, if he does go to Sevilla, they could review his successes from there and just kind of, you know, um, analyze them and see where exactly he fits in the future plans. Um, the word, you know, for me personally, um, to be honest, the best case scenario is his resale value goes up after this loan. And, and maybe we, uh, you know, like I said, maybe he bags in a couple goals and we could sell them on and maybe break even or possibly make a profit. You I think mean, that's best case scenario? You don't think best case scenario would be him actually improving as a player and us being able to bring him back and him being that, you know, backup striker that we've been looking for rather than having to look for another one? Well, you kind of answered your own question by saying, like, he's not an Antonio Conte type player and he really isn't and you're you're spot on with that because he doesn't work hard enough off the ball um he can't create his own chances um his first touch is mediocre at best um but when you do give him the ball in a goal scoring or whenever you give him a goal scoring opportunity in the 18 yard box nine times out of ten it's going to hit the back of the net and I think if we give Michi any credit at all, we could credit him for being a really clinical finisher. Mm-hmm. Um, but it just does not fit the ilk of this Chelsea side. I mean, we demand our striker to to work. And I mean, you look at you know you look in from you know a historical perspective. You look at DDA Drogba. You look at Zola. You look at um, Diego Costa and now Morata. I mean, those are all strikers that are succeeding or has success at Chelsea mm-hmm. and are known for working off the ball and, and, and playing with, you know, this tenacity defensively um, and a little bit of grit. And I just don't see that with Michi. I mean, maybe it's a confidence thing. Um, maybe not, but I say, you know, l- let's send him out on loan. If he does get better and if he does factor into our squad next year, like obviously I'm going to be rooting for him and I, and you know, I'm going to hope that he proves everyone wrong, but mm-hmm. I'm just kind of resigned to the fact that, you know, it's a matter of time before, you know, he eventually walks out the door. Yeah, you think we you think we profit on him no matter what? I mean, it's possible that he goes into the Sevilla side and plays just as poorly as he was, you know, playing with us, and you know his 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 value doesn't really go up at all. Um, do you think that we we can realistically see scenario where that happens? Or um, it would be a hard sell. Um, yeah, I think I think he'll I think he'll play fine. It's just, yeah, it's, it's tough. It's tough if if you're not working and uh, you know putting in the work in the Premier League, it's it's hard for you to score. There aren't, you know, the defenses are not going to be giving up easy chances. And, no. you know, the, really the the playmaking ability of uh, I think a Spanish squad is a little bit, um, it's, it's on a different level than how it is in the English Premier League. Um, I mean, they build their teams based on creativity, right? right. So, yeah. I mean, it, it, I mean, just one last thing on Michi. It's you know, if if he does make the move, I'm not saying that he's a crap striker. I'm not saying that he doesn't have qualities that could be useful to Chelsea Football Club. I just think right now, at this point in time, it's it's a simple matter of he just needs a run of games mm-hmm. to get his confidence back. And strikers run on confidence, and we're seeing it with Alvaro Morata. You know, once he gets his confidence, we could go from there. But until then, um, I think a loan move might be the best option, and then possibly going after someone. Uh, 
cheap and experience in this January transfer window. So uh, any final thoughts on this match? Um, no, I don't want to talk about it anymore. I think, uh, I think our conversation about the match lasted as long as a game, to be honest. <laughs> uh, I, I, I'm just really happy, you know, Norwich, you talked a little bit about the FA Cup magic. I'm just happy they didn't have that, the same magic that, uh, that Nottingham Forest had. Oh yeah. The American Eric Lehigh, with baby. The double. Eric Lehigh. I mean, he needs a call up. And we just need to like, just real quick. I just wanted to say that the defending on that first goal classic arsenal that was hilarious yeah it was fun um and pure and metro soccer scored a goal with his feet wow yeah that even if he can score with his feet Morata, so can you uh okay so let's let's get into some transfer news because we had my boy and i've been talking about this guy ever since the beginning of our podcast finally we bring in one of my favorites ross barkley for 15 million pounds plus five million in bonuses but I think that is a that's a bargain for a player of his of his caliber. What do you think? What was your what was your initial reaction when we signed him? Um before I saw the transfer fee, I knew that uh rumors were going around initially to purchase Barkley and and the number that we kept seeing was around the 30 or 35 million pound mark. Yeah. Um I thought that that price was a little steep considering that we had someone who has very similar qualities in Ruben Loftus-Cheek, who's actually having himself a season over there in Crystal Palace. But, you know, even Gary Cahill attested to the fact that Ross Barkley does remind him a lot of Loftus-Cheek. And, you know, for 15 million pounds, after I settled down and I looked at, you know, the price and the logistics of the deal, I mean, this is a no-brainer from both a business standpoint and a footballing standpoint. Um, There's definitely... There's definitely a low low risk factor um, yeah. when spending fifty million pounds on an English international, um, but I just think it's really interesting how you know we're kind of seeing this shift in in ideology from the board and in strategy. Um, they're going after a lot of English players now, yeah, and, and, it, and it looks like Roman wants to get that you know that that homegrown quota back. I was going to ask you: Do you think this move uh, was more to strengthen our squad or more to reach that quota? I think it was killing, uh, hitting two birds with one stone, to be honest. It does. It definitely does. Um, we hit that homegrown quota for one, but we also fill a void in the squad that a lot of people have been saying we needed for a long time, and that's a goal-scoring midfield threat. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm just like going over his, you know, his positives and negatives, and I have a list in front of me, and, and the positives are almost three times the size of the list of the negatives. Um, I mean – First, we got competition in the midfield, which is always good to have. Um, but he brings a little bit of of, of flair to our midfield and, and something different, a, a little bit more directness. And, um, you know, he's a goal threat from deep positions. He has extremely high potential, which, you know, if you're like me and you have faith in Antonio Conte, that's absolutely huge. Um, his dribbling ability is phenomenal. He's really, really strong. Um and I think the best part about this deal is that Spurs didn't get him. Oh yeah, because they were looking at him too. I think I think he would have been a really really good fit at Spurs, and we know Pochettino's track record with young English players, and that that would be a scary combination if they linked up. Um, but le- again, I mean, it's low yeah. cost and it's low risk, and if it doesn't work out, we can always sell him for more than what we got him for. Yeah, and you and I think you talking about how he's young. He's only twenty four years old. Um, 
I, I pulled up the stat from Sky Sports. Um, this is a Premier League Premier League records uh, for players aged 22 years and nine months. So this was uh, a bit over a year ago. So um, Frank Lampard uh, through 22 years and nine months um, had a combined 31 goals and assists, um, 21 goals, 10 assists. Um, for that's the most ever. Um, Gerard 13 goals, 17 assists for 30 combined, and Barkley's in third. Um, he had 17 goals and 11 assists for 28 combined goals and assists. Only three off for Super Frank. Right. So I mean, and this is this is you know some great company. The th- fourth on this list is a uh, uh, Paul Sh- Paul Scholes. So it's not like so uh, two out of those three guys are uh, Premier League winners. Oh yeah, so I mean Stevie G. Stevie G. Stevie, I mean he he's won Champions Slippy. League. That's pretty. That's pretty good. But uh, slippity doodah. Slippity doodah G. Um, but I mean that that is some great company right there. Um, and you know I think that he he hasn't he hasn't he hasn't been able to play really at all this this season because of an injury. Um, but I think that well from what I've seen his ability to score and create also. Um. I he's he's a very powerful dri- uh, dribbler I think and um that's going to help us out a lot when breaking down defenses especially on the counter attack. Uh-huh. I feel like a lot of times our midfield gets the ball and they and they kind of turn and face, you know, the opposition's goal and we tend to go for the long ball approach and I think with Ross Barkley he could dribble one or two players and break down defenses by dragging players out of position and you know finding through balls. And he can also have a very prominent role on this upcoming uh, English like for the English team, this upcoming World Cup. Yeah, I mean, and and from the future on. Um, so I mean, he. I think that England's got their eyes on Ross Barkley, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, the fact that we got him on our squad wearing wearing blue is, is is a great thing. I think it's interesting because I was thinking about this the other day. You know, he is an English international already. I think it was capped like twenty one times. I want to say. Uh-huh. Um, but I was just thinking about it. You know, him and Loftus Cheek are very similar, and. Can you just imagine if both of them fulfilled, I don't know, if both of them fulfilled their potential at least to an 8 out of 10, and you put them on the same squad, how absolutely brutish they would be? Yeah, because, you know, this move, it it brought questions on whether we would even be bringing back uh, Ruben Loftus-Cheek, but um, Antonio Conte himself ensured that, you know, RLC... He's got a role in our future, and you know he 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 wants to bring him back. So if if for anyone who thinks that this means that we're parting ways with RLC, it, it doesn't mean that. And I think that playing them together, like you said, that is very possible for happening next season. We can definitely see that happening, and I think that um, this just has this just brings a lot of like excitement for the future, and I think. You know, if this if this season isn't the one that you know Chelsea fans, you know, we demand at this point, um, I think next season we're gonna have a lot more success. Honestly, so I just want to talk about the things he could improve on, and uh-huh. and I'm I'm looking at my list, and a lot of these is seem to be simple coaching, coaching points, right? Yeah, good thing we got a great manager too. So Ross Barkley's main um main deficiency on the field. Uh, is both mentally and defensively. Um, he does let the game get to him. Um, possibly, or not even possibly, I know for a fact, especially because we played against him, um, I know that 
you know, the game does get in his head when it doesn't go his way. Mm-hmm. He, he tends was, to turn on the, on the refs. He has a pretty hot temper. Yeah, you'll see him making, you know, really silly challenges and sliding in. and Yeah. And 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 that's just coaching points. Um, it's a lack of discipline defensively. And if Antonio Conte coaches his teams to do one thing very well, it's to be disciplined defensively uh, mm-hmm. first and foremost. Um, but besides that, I mean, all these other things. He occasionally gives the ball away, um, but who doesn't? You know, he, he does hold on to the ball too long at times and allows you know the other team's defenders to get back on counterattacks. Um, that's, that's, again, that's a coaching point. That's not something that you can't change. Um, his lack of fitness is a concern to a lot of Chelsea fans. I know I've seen it on Twitter. Um, I've seen, you know, the Chelsea boo boys going, ah, well, he's, he's going to be injured the whole season anyways. I don't know why we wasted money on him. Chelsea's medical team is phenomenal and I don't think they get enough credit. Um, it's a little bit off topic, but I think it's something that needs to be stated. I mean, you look at other clubs, Arsenal, uh, Manchester United, Manchester City, they always have someone with a long-term absence. Mm-hmm. And Chelsea doesn't. I mean, we are very, very fortunate enough to have a good medical team. And I think, you know, once Barkley gets nursed back to health and he regains full strength, he's going to be really good for us. Um, I want to move on, though. I do want to talk about Andreas Christensen. Yes. He signed a four-and-a-half-year deal. At least that's one player that uh, we get to keep long-term for sure. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah, so this morning news broke that um signed a new four-and-a-half-year uh, deal with Chelsea, so he'll, he'll be here um, for, I don't know, over five more years. Um, Until he moves to Barcelona or Real Madrid, <laughs> right? Who knows? I mean, I pray to God that that does not happen. I kind of, I kind of, I don't want it to happen, but like it would be good for him. You know, he's, he's ideal for that squad. Um, But I mean, if that happens, it'll happen in in five years, four years. So, um, I mean, what are your thoughts? I think this is kind of a no brainer, right? Yeah. Um, You know, we talked about how smart the Ross Barkley transfer was in terms of, you know, uh, a business deal. Mm -hmm. Um, This is even a better business deal. You have a center back coming through the ranks. Um, you purchased him fairly cheap in 2012 for you know next to nothing. Um, you developed him. You sent him on loan to a proper European power um, in Borussia Mönchengladbach. Had two great years there. Played Champions League football. Um, started nearly every single game for them. Comes back and just epitomizes what the youth, what the loan system could do. Mm-hmm. A lot of people bash Chelsea's loan system and say that we abuse it and and it's a money-making strategy. And you know what? Yeah, it is a money-making strategy. And it's a damn smart one too. Um, But at the same time, you know, people do get carried away with a lot of our loanees by saying, oh, they could cut it, they could cut it, they could cut it. And that's not necessarily the case. How many of our loanees could really do what Andreas Christensen did this year? Come in, usurp David Luiz from the squad, who was probably one of our best players last year. And completely, and, dominate, and yeah. yeah, just completely dominate he, and, and hardly put a foot wrong. He's been a, he's been the talk of the Premier League, I think, this season. And when you when you talk about um, you know, young, young players, backs. yeah, just like you know, coming into their own and kind of dominating the league. I think uh, if you ask any fan base, they'll they'll be very aware of the way Christensen's been playing and how you know how much other teams are looking at him now. Um, I mean, I think this this is kind of a, a no brainer. Um, it's it's a it's really great that our our, our front office uh, and our board has been you know doing the, has 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 seen that 
you know, we, we, this can't be a player that we can lose. And, um, you know, giving him that new four and a half year deal. I'm not, I'm not sure about the, the money involved, but I'm sure it's a, you know, it's a, it's a pretty penny for that just because of the way he's been playing. But I'm, I'm really happy with what the, with, with the board's decision on doing this. Now I was going to go ahead and say that that was the best move of the window, but so far, right. So far it could be, I think it is so far. Um, but we still have a huge, huge issue that needs to be resolved. And I know this is something that I've been personally losing sleep over. Um, Eden Hazard and Thibaut Courtois have still not signed extensions, even though they've been constantly linked with the likes of Real Madrid. Um, Chelsea are trying to fend off interest by offering them extensions. So far, none of them have signed it. Um, the rumor mill has been spinning, and apparently Nazard was offered a really lucrative deal. Um, you know, they were joking around last week, and Courtois was saying how, you know, the only way he'll sign a deal is if Azard signs a deal and vice versa. Look, man, I love my Belgians, and it would pain me deeply to see both of them leave. Um, I know a couple weeks ago I mentioned Thibaut Courtois um and you know saying that you know it's uh it's gonna leave a void in the squad if if he does eventually leave mm-hmm. um but i think he's more easily replaceable than hazard but we saw his performance against arsenal and it made you realize that wow this guy's actually like he is top world class, class. Yeah. he's top class i mean you you could probably only name another goalkeeper or two or two that are better than him than him at the moment um but he still has his wife and kids in spain um, I was I was reading about uh Madrid nearly signing the uh the Spanish goalkeeper Kepa. I'm not even gonna try and pronounce his last name. He's Atletico Bilbao's keeper. I have him in FIFA. I think he's like an 89 rating now. He's a baller. Um, but I was praying that that deal would go through. Um, but he, uh, you know, there's some complication with his medical. I think he has a foot injury. Now that deal might be held off into the summer, which is dangerous because that gives Real Madrid time to plan for a really, really lucrative bid um, to eventually get Courtois to the Bernabeu. So, I mean, I guess my question to you, Sam, is if we do lose Thibaut, because we'll start with him, how big is the void? You know, I think I think it's kind of safe to say, and I mean, uh, this is how I feel, and I don't know if you feel the same way, but I think if if one of them leaves, they both leave. I think if Courtois ends up transferring... Because, you know, I don't think it's it's not the money. I mean, Chelsea is offering both of them money that would make them, you know, the highest paid players in their respective position in the league, in the Premier League. Um, so it's not the money. I think they're just, you know, trying to strategically stay together because, you know, when you combine the one of the top goalkeepers in the world with one of the best wingers slash, you know, nines or, you know, false nines that we have in the world as well. Um, on the same team, you know, that's a formula for success. So I think that if Courtois leaves, I think, unfortunately, that means Hazard is going to be gone too. Um, and I mean, I don't know. How, do, you, do you agree with that? Or is that a fair assessment? I think it, I think it is a fair assessment. Um, but I think if one of them did have to leave before the other, I do think it would be Tebow. Uh-huh. And, um, and, the, and the thing is, you know, if, if we get rid of him or if we're able to transfer him to to real the transfer fee is going to be is going to be giant it's going to be giant it's going to be huge and obviously the same it's going to be huge and of course it's going to the same would apply to um eden hazard plus we just got 
you know, 65 million euros for the Diego transfer. Um, so we have money to spend right now. And I think that, you know, I think a, a player that we've been looking at if for a possible replacement is, you know, we look towards AC Milan to try to nab that young Italian uh, keeper, Gianluigi um, Donnarumma. Um, I'm not sure if, uh, you know, he, he, I think that whatever price tag he has would be affordable for us. But, you know, he's, he's going to have a hefty price tag. But it's just a gamble at this point since, you know, he's only 18 years old, for the most part unproven. But still, like, whenever you're streamlined to replace Gianluigi Buffon on the national team and, you know, with such confidence that, the you know, the Italian media pretty much calls him the next Buffon, there's something, you know, there's something about him that everyone can see. Yeah, there there are other options out there. There's, um you know, obviously the, the keeper Real Madrid's tracking Kepa is phenomenal. Uh-huh. O'Black you know, as well. One, yeah, that's what I was going to say. When we played Atletico, O'Black had a f- ridiculous game against uh-huh. us at the bridge. Um, But I want to move on to talk about Eden Hazard. So, you know, we mentioned the importance of signing Courtois, but I think the importance of re-signing Hazard is of more importance yeah i mean we just listed off like three possible goalkeepers that we can replace them with i mean how many people could you really place hazard with that aren't no, already at one of the big boys yeah or that haven't already transferred the season not not i don't think i can name any honestly no no and, and, and that's the thing i mean if you really want to look at it into perspective i mean you look at a team like real madrid's really struggling um they're going to need to go out and purchase somebody um they, they're dying for a marquee signing yeah um, you look at Barcelona, I mean, they, they bolstered their squad and it's absolutely ridiculous, but you know, you, you go over to Germany Bayern Munich is in need of wingers. Um, there's a lot of big clubs out there that are willing to splash the cash, um, for a top talent like Hazard. But, you know, I, I've said it before. I'll say it again. I think it's a matter of when, not if with him. Um, but there's a little glimmer of hope in me, Sam, mm-hmm. and I'm not going to lie. I what think I think he loves this club deeply, um, more so than Courtois. I mean, you look at Hazard on the pitch and you look at Courtois on the pitch, you, you tend to think that Hazard leaves it all out there on more occasions than Courtois does. Maybe I'm going out on a limb saying that, but that's just the way I feel. I think that we've we've treated him well. Um, several times voted, you know, the player's player of the year um, or our team's player of the year. And that's, you know, that's, that's done by our... our, our players are you know are uh managing uh our I managers every, i and, think it's the captains from every club yeah and i think they vote you know and he and he's you know he's he's gone on that award several times and i think that he's made a lot of good friends here as well you know you've seen all the videos of him joking around and having fun with you know with the squad and i mean maybe that's just his personality he'll be able to get along with people anywhere he goes but laughing at ivanovich in interviews oh yeah that is a dying he can't he can't even get through that but um I think that he, I think he, I think he is he, like you know this is the big first big club he's played for, um, and uh, we took he took the chance on him, bringing him over from uh, it was Leo right yeah yeah bringing him over from Leo and you know he's he's done amazing things for us. Um, if he leaves today though, I know this isn't in the script, but if he does leave, um, what will his legacy at Chelsea be? I mean, do you put him up there with? The Drogba's and the Lampards and the Zola's and I think you know, the that, Osgoods, or is he like that next tier of, of footballer? Yeah, I mean, no, you, you can. As far as like the way they played and the the level of competition that they that we were playing at, 
Um, he was able to win, you know, two uh, Premier League titles with him and, uh, you know, also Europa League with him. Um, and, you know, I, I think just as far as like having natural talent and just instantly, you know, being gifted, I think that he would he would probably be above, you know, those players. And, um, you know, the only person I put like underneath him is Zola, just as far as like just talent. Natural, raw talent. Right straight off the block you know from when we, when we got him so um you know it, it but the thing about the other you know the other name players that you named were like those guys were chelsea through and through and you know they they pretty much for most of their careers if not the whole career um played on chelsea yeah and um i think that's the main difference you know he as far as his legacy will go and you know whether people will remember him for staying this long and all the stuff he won or leaving at you know at a tough time and i don't even call it a tough time but we're not you know top club in premier league right now but still i mean i I think i think him staying would would be great for his legacy of course um let's talk about charlie masanda so earlier today um reports came out that the club is gonna allow him to go out on loan um, however, it must be to another Premier League club. So, in terms of this being a smart move for him, um, I think it definitely is. Uh, he needs he needs playing time to prove yeah. himself in the Premier League. It's it's that player. simple. Um, if talent is not on the field, how are you going to see it? And and Charlie Musanda's case in point. My only concern is that a lot of times players join clubs in January, um, particularly on these short loans. And they hardly get a look in because the squads they walk onto are mostly set in stone. You know, the manager already mm-hmm. has his ideal 11, his ideal seven on the bench. Um, I think he has an incredible ability, though, to beat defenders and create space. Um, he has a bit of magic in those feet, right? Uh-huh. Um, but he is lightweight. And I feel like that's a big reason why he didn't get into Antonio Conte's squad. Um, you look at all of our other lightweight players, William and Pedro in particular, yeah, they're lightweight, but they have a little bit of nip about them. You know what I mean? They're not afraid to put a foot in. They work really hard off the ball, and Charlie Masanda doesn't quite have that yet. Um, yeah, I mean, there's also other players you can look at in the league, you know, that, yeah. or that kind of fit that mold, you know. Or who are, yeah. Yeah, you know, you look at David Silva, Raheem Sterling, uh, and also like Philip Coutinho. Um, I mean, not a Premier League player anymore, but still, um, you know, those guys have the same kind of things you're talking about, just being kind of lightweight, working off the ball. But they were they were really criticized early on in their career right. as like as like terrible purchases, and now you and know, look you at look them. at them and yeah, I mean David Silva, Raheem Sterling, they're leading the best team in the Premier League, and Coutinho just transferred for almost 150 million. Um, you know, obviously they can they can survive in the Premier League, and it's just a matter of playing. I just I just wish that we were able to. Uh, loan him out earlier in the season and not you know you you said it perfectly like it's 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 tough for a january transfer to work his way into a club that's already you know played a couple months they kind of have their uh rotations and they have their identity formed and it's hard to you know come in and just go just fit into that squad and immediately play um especially for a loanee who's probably only going to be there for a year so it's you know it's not it's not like the manager is eager to get him going and in and you know for the future when he knows he's going to lose him at the end of the year probably but definitely this is great i I love i'd love to see him get get playing time the rest of the season so i mean now i guess i can mention jake clark salter i mean we won't talk about this too much but Mm -hmm. um in case you guys didn't know 
he was loaned out to Sunderland earlier this week. Um, obviously a young center back. I believe he's 19 years of age. Um, really, really highly sought after um, in terms of his loan. Um, a lot of teams wanted his services. Um, the clubs still hold him in pretty high regard. Um, you know, he does have a lot of potential. Uh, just a quick yes or no question for you, Sam. Is this a good move for him? Yeah, I mean, to Sunderland, you know, last time he was he was transferred, it was to like a third third tier team, and uh, you know now he's moving on up. And as far as the competition is going to play against, I think it's a good move. Good, um, nice. So now we can move on to our match previews. So um, Chelsea versus Arsenal at the Bridge. Mm-hmm. What do we need to do to win? Because last game really pissed me the fuck off, right? Yeah. Um. But now we got the Carabao Cup, and this could be our, you know, we alluded to it before, this could be our only chance to win a trophy this season. Yeah. Um. So, by all means, we should take it seriously. What do we need to do to beat Arsenal this time around? Well, I mean, we talked about it uh, our last episode, that that back line is banged up and re- playing really poorly right now. Um just the past couple matches they've given up a lot of penalties they've you know allowed very silly mistakes to you know go in we need to be able to um t- be ready to expose that kind of you know just unorganized and making mistakes you know the the back line they switch off at times that you know just make any person watching the game question like whether they know what they're doing back there but um if not, we're not Banger's specialty right no no definitely not but you know if we if we're able to just you know take advantage of the chances that they're going to give us, and that's a fact, they're going to be giving us chances. It's not necessarily a case where we have to create them. They're going to give us chances. If we're going to able to capitalize on them and be clinical in our finishing, I think that why don't you we'll, just why don't you just name drop? Stop beating around the bush. Why don't you name drop? <laughs> name drop what? Say it. Just say it. Well, oh, who needs oh, to finish our oh. chances? Yeah, Murata, you need to finish your fuck. You need to ch- finish your chances because you're gonna have a lot of chances. I thought you meant name drop the players on on Arsenal. Yeah. Oh no. Yeah, we Alvaro Murata, you need. They're they're gonna give you chances to score. They did. They got. They gave you three chances last time. They handed it to you. If you if you don't take if you don't you know take care of those chances and finish them, you know I I, I don't even the next episode is gonna be a lot more. Uh, disrespectful yeah than than what i'm saying right now (laughs) look i mean i think i think the key for maratha is his confidence right and and he's obviously going through a dry patch and for strikers in particular it's always crucial that the confidence stays high otherwise they won't perform up to standards and it's just a matter of him needing one goal to go in and, and he had three golden chances last match. What are the odds of him not putting one of those chances in this match? Yeah, and I think if he if he finished that first one, I think the other two probably would probably have had a hat trick. Yeah. Yeah, he probably would have been flying high and had a hat trick. Just the, just the fact that he missed that first one, it's, it was in the back of his mind the whole match. I just want to mention really quick also that when we did play Arsenal last time around, yes, it was end-to-end and yes, not one team didn't particularly have a solid grip on the game. I know Arsenal had a lot of possession, but we created the better chances. I think the midfield three is in order yet again, right? Yeah. Um, Fabregas and Hazard sure. created so many chances and exploited so many holes. And I know we knocked Murata for his finishing, but let's be honest. 
his movement and his ability to get into those goal scoring positions were really really solid when we played against Arsenal. And, yeah, he's, he's and, and he's if he's that. if he's gonna maintain that movement, um, if we have Fabregas with his passing range and Hazard with his dribbling ability and ability to break down uh, tightly packed defenses, um, we should be able to run riot against Arsenal this time around. I just want to mention, Cesc had six key passes. I know you mentioned it last time in the pod, and I'm stealing your stats, Sam. Yeah. But I think it's really, really imperative that we emphasize Cesc Fabregas in this game. Um, I thought Bakioko was a little bit dodgy. I think maybe Danny Drinkwater would do well in a match like this. Um, we'll see what happens. I would go Drinkwater and Conte next to each other Yeah. Um, with Cesc sitting right in front of him. Um, and I know it pains me to say drink water and Conte because I really want to see them play against Leicester at the weekend. Yeah. And, you know, there was also you, you mentioned Hazard and there was there was a little bit of a scare that he wouldn't be able to be fit for this match. But um, I think that he uh, from what I read that he, he's probably going to be playing. So that's some mm-hmm. good news. Um, so I think, uh, you know, we, we kind of we talked about it in our match preview against Arsenal a couple weeks ago. So there's not much more that we can add to this except for just being clinical and um you know yes. I, I think more honestly more of the same and just, we got to uh, put the zipper down man yeah zipper's got to go the zipper's got to go but Wenger in for sure right until the end of arsenal yes. um so what are your predictions for this match a part of me doesn't want to have a prediction <laughs> because every time i make a prediction particularly against a london rival i get it completely wrong I said we were going to draw against Tottenham, and we won. Mm-hmm. I said we were going to beat Arsenal both times we played them this year. We drew both or all three times we played them this year. Yeah, we guess we uh, lost the first time. We lost the first time and drew the second two times. So, dare I say it? Just don't say anything. I'll, I'll, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'm I'll not going to say anything. I'm I'll make anything. a prediction. Yeah, yeah. We, we uh, smack the shit out of them. <laughs> it's going to be 6-0. 6 0 all over again. Mo Salah coming on as a sub, scoring his first Chelsea goal. Uh, Here we go. They're going to send off Kieran Gibbs on accident. Yes. That was hilarious. That's, that, that's one of my favorite Arsenal Chelsea memories. I love it. Um, you know, and just quickly on the other side, because this this is the semifinals. Today, Man City had a little bit of a scare against Bristol. They were down 1 0. Was it a scare, or did they just start trying? I mean, of course. They just got that magic that. You know that we had last year, you know, this just the be able to finish games at the end and you know walk away with all three points instead yeah. of dropping any. You know that that was the magic that we had last year. That's why we won the t- the the league. Man City has somehow taken that magic from us this year, and you know I think the league that, that that's theirs for the taking. But if you um, want to talk about magic, we could talk about this Leicester game coming up at the weekend. Yeah, let's talk it. Um, because. Yeah, we will talk it, Sam. We Let's will talk it. Talk it. Uh, <laughs> you sure we should talk about it, or maybe we should say no? That? I don't want to talk about it. I want to talk it. Oh, let's, let's talk, talk it. Leicester is Leicester is a very solid team. Um, eighth in the Premier League table. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we play them on Saturday. And on a good, in good form right now. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, not in terms of the Premier League. Um, you know, I know in their last five matches, I believe they lost two. Uh-huh. I want to say and drew one, uh, um, but Riyad Mahrez is the is the main talking point in this match. Usually it's Jamie Vardy, 
Um, I know I'm skipping a little bit ahead in the script song, but forgive me because I want to talk about Mares because I love this guy. I think he's a very, very good soccer player. Um, but he has been in goal scoring form. Um, and so far this season has seven goals and seven assists. So that's their main creator. And that's no secret. You look at their title winning season and that was their bread and butter was the Mares long ball to Jamie Vardy over the top, right? Oh, yeah. Classic. Um, so, I mean, that ties in with our first point in terms of what we need to do to win. We need to contain the counter. Um, Leicester is the epitome of a counterattacking side. Um, they sit deep, they absorb pressure, and they spring one of their wingers in Albrighton or Mares out wide. Um, they find them, and then those guys find Jamie Vardy and Okazaki or Slimani, whoever's playing up top that day. Um that's going to be crucial, um, especially considering that our back line isn't necessarily the quickest at times. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Rudiger is definitely in order for a game like this. He needs some a little bit of redemption. I think we need to put our most athletic back line together um, to uh, to counter the Jamie Vardy threat. So, I mean, what about you? Uh, in terms of what we need to do to win with, with, with Mares and Vardy, um, what do we need to do to them to, uh, to shut them down? Well... I think the first thing that we need to do is just uh, pray a little bit that Mares gets transferred by then, because there's there's been talks that he's going to Liverpool, but um, obviously I don't. I don't it apparently went through, but Mares' side said they weren't really kept in the loop of the discussion. So there's just some you know loose ends that need to be tied at this point. I think it might Typical be transfer nonsense. Yeah, I think right? I think it might. I think it's probably gonna. It's a matter of time before he's off to Liverpool, but. Um, if he, if he's able to stay and I'm, I'm, I was trying to find which game it was because for those of you who haven't really been, um, watching how Leicester city plays and that, and that connection between Mares and, and Jamie Vardy, there's one game this, this season, there's one goal where, where Mares gets the ball by himself. He holds it up and then Vardy just makes a run from midfield and he just lays it off to him for an amazing goal. And, uh, I can't find which game that was that's but typical that's, Leicester city though yeah and you need and if you know that's just that's just what we need to avoid happening um you know they're back that that's their strong suit their weak side is their back line for sure i mean they're not they're not a fast back line if we're if we're able to you know or organized per right. se. i mean they conceded 32 goals in 22 matches and you know i think that if, if we're able to stay pacey um, we can expose them for sure. Um, yeah, I, I, you look at their back line and you see one name that stands out in particular, their new signing from uh, Hull City, Harry Maguire, uh-huh. who actually had a blinder against us last season Yeah, um, when Hull was in the Premier League. And the rest of them, they've been mediocre. Mediocre at best, yeah. I, you know, you look at them, they are an aging back line. They are getting up there in age. They're not the quickest anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but with that being said, this is a team with experience. And they are eighth in the table. So if that says anything, it shows you that they know how to pull results um, out of the hat. So we do have to expose them with pace. Um, we know they're going to go out there and they're probably going to play that 4-4-2. Um, but it's our responsibility to go out there and completely outplay them in every aspect of the game, which we're completely capable of. But Lesser is just one of those teams that won't back down. And they, and, and if, if it is their day we're going to be in for a lot of trouble. Um, Conte and drink water, Sam. We need to see that. That's that's just, I think that is like, it has to happen, right? I mean, 
not just not just for us, but uh, for every footballing uh, purist in the world. Yeah, I mean, it's just when you when there's a when there's a duo like that that had so much success at one squad, and both of them still in their primes transfer over to another team. Um, you need to play them together against their old squad. Um, I think I think they're going to be up for it. I mean, more than anyone else in our match because they want to play against their old team. Um, you know, not out of spite, but just out of, you know, respect because Leicester, you know, they, they've been making, they've been making a good, good profit off of a lot of these players that they're bringing in and, you know, so I think it was 70 million combined between them two. Yeah. And, you know, um, you're welcome for that. First of all, Leicester city, like we're, we're going to be funding you for the next couple of years, hey, but if you want to produce more N'Golo Contes and Danny Drinkwater, we'll take them off your hands. Yeah. Gladly. Not a big deal. But, um, I think that also, I mean, just as far as, you know, getting with this, 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 you know, tough schedule coming up and like a lot of matches coming up, it, we, you know, players tend to get leggy, they get tired. So, you know, obviously, obviously in Golo Conte, he's been playing a lot, but, you know, he's just not even a human being. So I don't know if he's going to ever get tired. Um, so playing them together would be great for both tactically and just for a pure standpoint. It's a good point because, yeah, I mean, now the fixture list comes thick and fast, right? And, yeah. and it has been coming thick and fast for the last month or so. But, you know, if you're getting leggy on the pitch and you see Danny Drinkwater and N'Golo Conte playing against a former team with tons of energy and tons of enthusiasm, that's your teammates feed off of that. Um, and, and it's something that's been really prevalent with Chelsea since we actually got N'Golo Conte. And now we have Danny Drinkwater to add to that equation. Mm-hmm. They're both going to play their asses off if they start I think if Conte doesn't go with a duo of Drinkwater and Conte, I think it's going to be foolish. Um, but with that being said, it would be upsetting. I yeah. do think Drinkwater should start against Arsenal. I really do. I'm sorry. I don't think Bakayoko was good enough. Um, so maybe we'll see a Bakayoko and Conte mix. Maybe we'll see Bakayoko, Conte, and Drinkwater. Um, who knows? Maybe we see Ross Barkley. That would be a that would yeah, be a, that nice would be a surprise. Cameo. I don't know if he's if he's fit to play yet. But I know he's back to he's, training. Yeah, he's training. There's I saw the video of him in training. But I mean, if, if that what that means, he's match day ready. I mean, I know. I think I read online that he will not be back for Arsenal for sure. Mm-hmm. So um, if he's able to make his debut against Leicester, I mean that that'll be fine too. But yeah, that would be uh, we'll, we'll, a welcome addition. We'll, if we hear anything else new, we'll we'll update it in our next episode. Um. So, predictions. I think uh, we're going to get a win out of this one. Um, and I think it's going to be, honestly, a close one. I think we're going to see – we'll we'll see a Mares vardy goal, and it'll end up being uh, 2-1. I'm going to go 3-0. I uh-huh. think uh, Riyad Mahrez's head isn't at Leicester. Um, I know it sounds dumb because he has been in good form lately, but – um, if you're at a club like Leicester and a club like Liverpool are constantly being linked with your name, um, it would be hard to stay motivated from that standpoint. Um, and like you said, hopefully he's not there by the time we play him because let's not forget, this is the reigning PFA player of the year, um, or not reigning, but former. Mm-hmm. Um, and he has a ton of qualities that could hurt opponents. Um, and if you negate that Rand Mara's threat, then you also minimize Jamie Vardy's productivity. Um, so I'm going to go 3-0 Chelsea. I think it's going to be professional. Um, professional ass beating. Professional, yep. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, that kind of wraps up our script, Sam. 
Um, really quick, I just want to make a quick shout out to Jose Mourinho. Uh, you're a world class prick uh, for what you've been doing to Antonio Conte. Like, look, man, I know it's not on our script, Sam. I'm just going to ask you for your opinion. We know everything that's going on. Just a quick recap Jose Mourinho uh, had a couple digs at Antonio Conte, um, about, particularly about his match fixing scandal. Um, when back in his Siena days where he was suspended for four months. Um, low blow, or is that just something that Conte has to live with? Well, Con- Conte started off this kind of like back and forth, right? He called Mourinho a little man, or was that, I don't know if that was before or after. No, Mourinho started it. Was it's it? always Jose. Yeah, it's always Jose Mourinho starting this little well, you mean mini like, spats. Well, because... I mean, I, I, I just know that, you know, all from last year when we, you know, we kind of destroyed them 4-0 and there was there was already bad blood from then. And I think uh, Antonio Conte is not um, not a fan of him as well. I mean, obviously, I think just starting off we, the transfer over the summer of Lukaku, I think that he was a little bitter that he was a uh, Mourinho was able to steal him from him. And, um, you know, just a, a lot of other small things. But. You know, if Antonio Conte is going to, you know, he, he is kind of playing in the shadow a little bit of a Mourinho just because of what he brought to him. And I think, you know, we've compared him um, and we're not the only ones that have compared, you know, their their t- their time on Chelsea together. So, you know, it's understandable that they don't like each other, but um, I think it's exciting. I don't know. I think it's it's really fun to just have like, you know, a former manager who's managing the club that I hate probably the most. Um, kind of having back and forth banter with my new, uh, my new uh, skipper right now. You know, um, I just have one thing to say about it really quick. And that is that I'm very proud of Antonio Conte. I think he conducted himself really well. Um, I think Jose Mourinho is a little man at this point. I o- I'll always have love for him, right? I mean, everything he did for our club. But, dude, like, come on, man. Just because things aren't going your way in Manchester doesn't mean that you could start poking at our manager because you're salty about getting your ass fired from our club. Um, I think it's hilarious, though. Mm. And and every time I see a new article or a new um, interview with Conte, I read it right away. Um, Antonio Conte said earlier today, which I thought was really funny, he said that it's not an issue between Jose and the club. It's an issue between Jose and and Antonio Conte. Ooh. So it's personal. Um, so I think the cameras are definitely going to be on them when our when we play them oh, um, yeah. in the next month. They should have just one like picture-in-picture picture camera in the corner, both of them together. <sighs> the buildup for this match is just so enticing. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm looking forward to it. Um, but yeah, I mean, that kind of brings us to the end of our podcast. So we got uh, two big matches coming up. Hopefully two victories and also i mean one that we didn't talk about but i think we're gonna be uh recording before then but the um the re the replay for the norwich game is going to be next wednesday as well um so yeah so we'll we'll be we'll be talking about it before then but still that's just something to keep your eye on because you know luckily we got that we ended up drawing so we're gonna have to do the replay next week so with that being said, make sure you follow us on SoundCloud, uh, Romans Empire Pod. Make sure you follow us on Twitter, at Romans Empire Pod. Um, look for us on iTunes. Um, send us an email. Let us know what you guys think. Um, we've been getting a lot of feedback, a little bit more every week. Um, and 
we are extremely excited to engage with our, you know, listeners. And, and grateful for you guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really grateful. It's actually really humbling, even though, you know, we have a select few people that are tweeting at us. But um, thanks for, you know, just supporting us and, and, and sticking with us. So with that being said, um, we'll see you guys next week. Keep the blue flag flying high.